Hello, Disney Decipher listeners. Joe here. Leslie and I are taking the week off to celebrate the holidays and rest with our families, but we just want to thank everyone who has listened in 2022 and say that we hope that our podcast has helped bring you a little bit of joy and also helped you plan a little bit of Disney and get a little Disney in your life this year. We also want to wish you and your family a happy holidays and a happy new year. Thank you so much to all of you who have listened over the past year. We do have a little announcement to make, and depending on where you're watching this, you may know already, but in 2023, Disney Deciphered will now be available on YouTube. And so we just wanted to make a quick plug and ask that if you are a listener to us on audio, uh, which of course is what you must have been for the past four or five years, Please, if you go to YouTube.com and search Disney Deciphered, we've also put the link in the show notes and like and subscribe. We would really appreciate that as we get the channel going. And then, of course, if you prefer YouTube, uh, you can watch us on YouTube going forward. Or, of course, if you prefer audio, you can continue to get us wherever you find podcasts. We are going to be uploading some of the old episodes. Obviously, we won't have our video for that, and there'll just be a static background for those, including today's. Uh, we are going to re-upload one of our earliest episodes in 2022, the Disney World planning timeline, uh, which shockingly enough is still pretty much correct, uh, even a year later, which uh, color me surprised. I'm sure that Iger will have some changes in store and that timeline will change next year. But as of right now, uh, that's still accurate. So thank you again, everyone, so much for listening. Please like and subscribe our new YouTube channel and have a restful holiday and a wonderful new year. Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we talk about the Disney planning timeline and what you need to do when when you're planning your vacation. If you need help booking your vacation, you can support the podcast by using me as your travel agent at no cost to you. I can help you handle all the hard work and all the hold times so you can focus on having fun. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. You can also support the podcast by checking us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you'll receive bonus content, including extra trip reports. You can subscribe to the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a positive review. Connect with the podcast anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or on Facebook and Instagram at DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we are thinking that things have normalized enough at Walt Disney World that we are ready to do a Disney World planning timeline episode. Just kind of what you need to think of, what dates and timeframes you need to think of as you're planning your Walt Disney World vacation. We debated whether to do a Disney World and Disneyland planning timeline, but uh, I don't think Disneyland has quite uh, found its equilibrium yet. Right, Leslie? Probably not. It's getting closer, but things are still kind of crazy over there on the reservations front. Yeah. So we're taking a little bit of risk here because who knows what Disney is going to end up pulling out. But we think that how planning goes for Disney World right now, more or less, is how it's going to look going forward. Uh, we don't see or foresee any large changes coming down the pike. So let's uh, get started. Uh, we have just a few steps and 
timeframes for you to think about. You know, the first one is, of course, if you're planning to go to Disney World to start saving money for Disney World. We have a couple episodes on this. We have a um, credit card travel hacking pair of episodes back from episode 157 and 158. But also another great way to save money for your Disney vacation is Disney gift cards, right, Leslie? That's right. There are lots of ways to get Disney gift cards at a discount. And they're often, I mean, changing. There's sort of the easy way, you know, target 5% back with your red card. But there's a lot more extensive ways to save even more than that. And so you can really save some money on your, your Disney vacation if you're paying that hotel or your other expenses off with those discounted gift cards. I have a blog post on Trips with Tykes, incidentally, that you wrote, Joe. So lots of good hacks in there. And you can check that out. If you're trying to go that route to save money on your vacation. Yeah. And I think general saving money principles work as well for Disney as they do for any vacation. You know, I have a client who recently, she is a big couponer and she used all her couponing to basically pay for her Disney vacation. It took her a couple of years to do that, but whatever in your financial life helps you to budget and save money, that's, those are the same principles you want to apply when you're saving for your Disney vacation. So always want to start with you know, Disney keeps getting more and more expensive. So you want to start to save money. I think another thing you you want to do before you actually get into the physical planning of the trip is kind of choose when to go for most of us that is going to be based on our kids' school schedules, especially if uh, you know you don't get to go regularly. One thing I would say for that is I've realized that uh, many states have like these two-week breaks, these very nice two-week breaks that kind of don't overlap with a lot of other states. So if you are one of those states, I think definitely find some time within those two-week breaks. Over here in Massachusetts and with you, Leslie, in California, I know we only get one week at a time, so we're we're kind of competing with the high demand times generally. Yeah, that's right. But definitely scour the uh, school calendars. I know I'm always looking for the random four day weekend when nobody else has off, like that doesn't coincide with like a federal holiday. And we usually have one or two of those a year on our school calendars. That's when I'm I'm heading to a high traffic destination like like Disney. Yep. And of course, every year we have some variation of uh, when to visit Disney World in X year. Uh, this year's episode was just a couple episodes ago, episode 203. So you can check that out if you'd like. Also, shout out here to Turing Plans and WW Prep School. They both have great crowd calendar and predictions. Disney Tourist Blog as well. You can kind of compare those three. They're not all exactly the same, but you can feel the general trends when you're looking at those. So if you have some flexibility about when to go, definitely check out some crowd calendars before you go. Although right now, crowd calendars sort Sort of don't matter as much because of park reservations. All right. So you have saved your money. You've chosen when to go. What is the next big step you need to take making your Disney vacation plans? All right. So the next big step is booking your hotel. And that is something that I am usually doing early and often because you and I have said it before, Joe, we rarely end up staying in the first hotel we booked, but really, really important to at least get something on calendar. You know, room types can sell out. Certain resorts can sell out. Prices can go up, you know, the longer that you wait. So really important, I think, just to just get that placeholder, even if that's not going to be the final place that you necessarily choose to stay. And you can make those hotel reservations up to 500 days in advance for Disney properties. Yeah. So 
kind of one of your first big decision points is whether you're going to stay on or off site. Like Leslie said, the prices are going to fluctuate. Now for on site, the prices, they are set in stone, but what will happen is the cheapest rooms will book up first. And so if you wait, you might have to book like a more expensive room. You go from standard view, which is like a parking lot to garden view, which is, you know, just some shrubbery. And then you go to resort view. Like, so as you kind of dilly dally, or if you dilly dally, the prices go up, which is why we say, you know, lock it in pretty early. And there's always a chance to Disney releases discounts, but if you've locked it in, you can always rebook into that discount if it comes. That 500 days in advance, you can book all the way into 2023 right now. Sometimes it's a little less than 500 days. Disney doesn't always open the new year immediately, but in general, that's a pretty solid rule to go by. And I agree with Leslie. I always just, if I think I might go at a certain time, I just get something down. I make a reservation both on and off site. Disney properties have very generous cancellation policies. Sometimes for some vacations, it might be okay to book a non-refundable hotel reservation. But for Disney, I'm pretty strong saying that unless you're going like the next week, don't book a non-refundable reservation. Now, we're not going to go too deep into the on versus off-site debate. Uh, We have a slightly dated episode, episode 133, that you can check out for that. And of course, we always discuss it. I mean, it always comes up. But Leslie, quick reminder... What are the benefits of staying on site or at one of those Disney partner hotels? So I guess the big benefit these days, the the benefits have been eroded, Joe. We've talked about that before. The big benefit, though, is the early theme park entry. 30 minutes early, every park, every day. That is really the big one. Of course, Magical Express has been retired. What else am I forgetting? (laughs) Are there any more? Uh, You haven't forgotten anything, Leslie, because... That is it. Uh, you know, there is pretty much, I mean, there is the magic of kind of being inside the Disney bubble. And also, if you stay at a deluxe resort, you can get the extended evening hours, which are probably the best way to avoid lines. But those are only two days a week and only at Magic Kingdom and Epcot, one day for each of them. But other than that, all of the on-site benefits are gone I mean, I guess I would say that when you're on site, you don't have to worry about transportation to the parks. But of course, you may have uh, varying opinions on whether you enjoy taking Disney buses or not. The more you spend on a hotel, with the exception of Pop Century, Art of Animation, and Caribbean Beach Resort, the... Joe, I remembered one more on-site benefit. No way. (laughs) Being able to book paid Lightning Lane at 7 a.m. There you go. That's it. The, The privilege of paying Disney more money. There you go. I want to say that's barely a benefit, but it actually matters because these individual lighting lanes sell out. So I totally hear you. So the other thing you need to think about if you're booking an offsite hotel is there are a few other things to be aware of. Like a lot of these resort hotels, including the Swan and Dolphin, which is probably your best bet at getting deluxe benefits without spending Disney deluxe prices. Swan and Dolphin are Disney partner hotels that are treated like deluxes, but are a little bit cheaper. But you have to worry about resort fees. And those can add up. Sometimes, you know, you also have to think about whether the transportation from the offsite hotels is frequent enough for you. So those are kind of things that you need to think about. Now, parking fees, if you are driving or renting a car, they're kind of a wash between on and offsite hotels since um, you're going to have to pay them at most of the offsite hotels and the Disney hotels. However, you do not have to pay for parking fees at the Disney theme parks if you're staying on site. So that's another kind of thing to think about as well. Now, booking a Disney package versus not booking a Disney package, I think is something that has 
changed in my mind since the pandemic started. And the reason why is we used to always say, just book a room-only reservation and then book tickets later. But we used to say that when the tickets were kind of good for either the entire year, that was a long time ago, or at least large portions of the year. But now the tickets are locked into like certain dates. Changing them can be a huge pain. Sometimes you can change them online, but if you can't change them online, you have to call and the whole times for ticket services can be upwards of two hours. I've waited over two hours before to fix some clients' tickets. So booking a package, you have a lot more flexibility. You can move the package around and your tickets move with that without having to worry about that. Now, I know you haven't been to Disney World since the world ended. Have your thoughts changed at all in terms of whether you might be thinking about doing a package or not a package? I really haven't thought about it, Joe. It seems like kind of a brave new world to me. And it's very foreign to me coming from sort of the Disneyland side of things where there still is no day-based ticketing for multi-day tickets, which is great. Something I guess I feel like I'm going to have to start considering. And I think other people who are kind of in my boat will have to as well. Yeah, I think the other thing is that here's where we should say whether you're booking a package or booking a hotel-only Disney reservation, they are very generous with their cancellation policies, and it's very easy to move both hotel-only reservations and your package reservations. But the reason why I'm leaning towards booking Disney packages more these days is because when you move your hotel that is packaged with tickets, you can move the tickets as well and you don't have to deal with that other step. And there's been a lot of moving of reservations, as you can imagine. Really quickly, if you book a Disney package with tickets, it's a $200 deposit, but the balance is due 30 days in advance. If you book a hotel-only reservation, you have to pay your first night stay as a deposit, but then you don't pay the balance until you arrive at Disney World. Okay, so we've booked our hotels. What is the next step that we are going to be thinking about? All right, next up is booking your flights, assuming you are someone who is coming in by airplane. I have to say, like, things are kind of crazy with air travel right now. I'm kind of in the middle of booking some trips myself at the moment, so it's front and center in my mind. Demand is seems to be, except for this pause that we're kind of in at the moment right now in January, demand is going up. And when things get better with all things public health, I don't think the airlines are going to be able to keep up. They couldn't keep up last summer when things were good. So this is really important, I think, to go ahead and keep an eye on airfare, go ahead and book it, especially if you're coming from someplace where like you only have one real airline as a reasonable choice. Go ahead and book it. The price is going to go up. Yeah, I generally agree with that, which is not something I thought I would have said a couple years ago. Now, I will add that if you want to kind of play the field a little bit or gamble a little bit, the thing to do is set a price in your head that you're like, that price is fine. I will book it if it's at that price. And you know, you can use Kayak to set up price alerts. And if you see that price hit, then just book it and um, kind of be done with it. Now, most airlines will give you credit if you need to cancel these days. So at the very least, you know, you're not kind of locking yourself in to non-refundable airfare. Now, of course, if you're driving down to Disney, uh, you don't have to worry about any of this. That's always the benefit of driving. Oh, one thing that I forgot to say when we were talking about hotels is that regardless of whether you're doing hotel-only reservations or packages or staying on or off-site, you might want to consider doing a buffer day or two on either end of the trip. Like maybe if you want to stay six nights, book it for eight nights with one on the front end and one on the back end, just in case airfare becomes cheaper on either end. And then you can kind of adjust your trip back down to six nights if the airfare is right on those certain dates. Does that kind of make sense what I was saying there? Yes, absolutely. Definitely want to give yourself as much flexibility in 
making these plans because this is like a puzzle that you're putting together. There's different pieces. And sometimes you might find that, <laughs> you know, one piece just is missing. It doesn't fit. <laughs> so it, I, I really do like to have things that I can kind of continue to tweak. All right. So we've booked our airfare. We've booked our hotels. Those are kind of the main things in terms of you've basically locked in your dates at Disney World at that point. Now we're getting into the actual nitty gritty of planning your actual Disney vacation. So what's next, Leslie? All right. Next is making your dining reservations. And thank goodness it's no longer 180 days in advance. So you're not picking where you're going to have dinner six months ahead of time anymore. Everything at Disney World has settled into 60 days in advance. And a reminder, if you're staying on site, you can book dining reservations for your entire trip 60 days from the first day of your trip. So that gives you a little bit of a non-property benefit we forgot to mention, Joe. Just just little bits and pieces that still remain. But but dining is definitely probably the next most important and you want to be on it right when things open for those popular restaurants at uh, 60 days in advance. I would say that Dining will definitely be open 60 days in advance by 7 a.m. Eastern. Disney, of course, can never make things easy. A couple months ago, they started opening on some days at like 5 to 5.30 a.m. I don't mess with that nonsense. Um, I, I generally help my clients to book their dining reservations, but I say I only promise that I will wake up at 7 a.m. Well, I'm up before 7 a.m., but I only promise that I'll start doing it at 7 a.m. because I don't have the time to uh, wake up at 5 a.m. to check if Disney possibly opened up dining at that point. Shout out here to the various dining reservation finders out there that exist. If you don't get what you want when you originally book your dining, you can always set an alert, whether it be for touring plans or Mouska Pros or Leslie, what is your favorite dining reservation finder? I use mouse dining a lot. Yeah. And I use Mouska Pros. I think, you know, Leslie and I are both happy with them. So they're kind of I don't. I, I guess I can't. I think the only differentiating factor is touring plans is free. So, uh, you know, if you want to go with a free version, go with touring plans. You can get two searches there. I have like thirty to sixty searches. I don't know. I never use them all up on Mouse Pros. How many do you get with Mouse Dining? Mouse Dining actually has a free version as well, but it gives you email alerts instead of text alerts. So, if you really want to be competitive, you have to pay do the paid version to get the text alerts. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to do a dining episode upcoming since we're again crossing our fingers that things have normalized there too so leslie let's talk about the technical ways to maximize both mouse dining and mouse pros when we get there because there's some stuff i've learned with mouse pros that uh, has helped me to maximize my chances of getting these dining reservations quick shout out if you check in the show notes we do have a mouse dining link that helps us out so if you do think about signing up uh, please go ahead and go through that all right anything else we got to do at 60 plus days leslie all right, 60 days, you got to book all those other little incidental reservations like tours or if you want to build uh, a lightsaber, those kind of things at Savi's. So that's really the time that you make those other kinds of reservations. I mean, I guess at some point, whenever Bippity Boppity Boutique opens again, that kind of thing. I guess that hasn't normalized yet. Yeah, so that stuff doesn't sell out as quickly, but definitely if those are the things you want to do. Now, one thing that I'm really excited about is the Wild Africa Trek has reopened at Animal Kingdom. And that is the one, if you are on Kilimanjaro Safaris, you see these kind of rope bridges, Indiana Jones type rope bridges above the savannah. And I'm going to book that for my daughter. She is just barely over 48 inches, a very short nine-year-old, but uh, I'm going to book that for her. That looks like it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Can't wait to hear the review on that one. Yeah, hopefully we go. 
I never, I never say anything is certain these days. Okay. So other things to think about doing 60 days out. If you haven't made park reservations yet at this point, uh, go ahead and make your park reservations. If you haven't bought tickets yet at this point, in fact, I might recommend if you are not doing a Disney hotel and tickets package to wait until about two months before to buy your tickets for all the reasons that we listed before about changing tickets being such a pain in the butt. Go ahead and buy your tickets at this point and make your park reservations. And also, if you need transportation from the airport to your hotel, your Disney hotel, you can go ahead and book that. There are two options now, at least bus options, which are Mirrors Connect and the Sunshine Flyer. I don't think Sunshine Flyer started yet, so we haven't seen reviews about that. Mirrors Connect has felt very magical, expressy with a little bit less magic, and you have to pay for it now. Those are your options. Of course, there's probably your favorite option. Leslie, how do you generally get to the hotel from the airport? Oh, I usually Uber, at least, you know, now that Magical Express is gone, that's my <laughs> method. But yeah, I mean, I guess we need to keep monitoring the prices of that to see whether demand is going to drive the prices for that up. Yeah, I think for a family of four, you're often going to come out as a wash. In terms of prices, Mirrors Connect already increased the price on their kind of premium service. So we'll see how that goes. Next up, 30 days out, if you booked a Disney package, you go ahead and pay that off. At that point, you still aren't on the hook for the entire package. Technically, if you cancel within the 30 days, you will lose your $200 deposit. Although, if you have extenuating circumstances, you might be able to work your way around that by postponing your trip. And then finally, we are kind of arriving at the week before your trip. You want to recheck dining reservations because a lot may have opened up. And then the last thing you kind of need to do planning your Disney vacation, because it hasn't been complicated enough, is the night before, Leslie, starting at midnight, what are you going to do? You're going to buy Genie Plus, assuming you want to buy Genie Plus. Maybe you don't, but that's the bane of your existence. I know on your last Disney trip, you tried at midnight to buy it and weren't able to. But uh, yeah, that's what you need to be doing if you can stay up that late. And if not, you need to be waking up pretty early in the morning, well before seven to make sure that you buy it in time to make your bookings and start the morning at 7 a.m. Yes, we should say you're buying Genie Plus as early as midnight the night before, if Disney IT allows you to. Big if. Right, right. right. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> so, the easy the easy way to do it, of course, is to throw money at the problem and add Genie Plus to your entire ticket. But you know, if you're doing it a la carte, doing it kind of day by day, you're going to want to do Genie Plus starting at midnight or at like 6.30 a.m. Now, Leslie, in terms of like planning your ideas for how you want to attack the parks. You know, we have a Genie Plus episode, episode 199, that talks about how to use Genie Plus at each park. But about how early do you start kind of, you know, I, I know neither of us have an exact touring plan, like we're going to go from A to B to C to D on a park day. But about when do you personally start thinking about like, this is going to be my plan for my Hollywood Studios day. This is going to be the plan for my Magic Kingdom day. I mean, I'm constantly revising everything. I mean, I'm starting to think about that as soon as I'm making my park reservations and dining reservations, because I think once you go down that rabbit hole, then regular people, maybe not you and I, Joe, regular people are locked in, right? And then they're planning out their touring plan around the dining reservations they have and the park reservations they have. You and I sometimes throw them all out the window and start all over again. But yeah, I'm just trying to slot stuff in. I mean, I'm taking a look at what sort of the current wait times are. I mean, I'd say most of my planning 
is probably several weeks before the trip when I'm really getting into the nitty gritty of I'm going to book this lightning lane first, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm thinking about the bigger strategy like several months in advance, right? Yeah, I agree. I have my kind of general idea a few months in advance. Of course, we record this podcast. We think about Disney all the time. So that's more natural for us. But I really don't think, in fact, I wouldn't recommend getting too into the weeds about like what rides you must hit, where you definitely want to go until two to three weeks before. Because as we've seen so many times over the last few years, so many things change. Like imagine on New Year's Day, I planned a trip for Martin Luther King weekend and was like, okay, I'm gotta make this epcot park reservation so that i can get the remy's virtual queue well you know <laughs> the virtual queue went away and it went away in like two days so you don't want to lock into plants too solidly because disney changes things up at the last minute all the time yeah that's right and hopefully as time goes by they will be doing less of that so you know like we said things are normalizing so i don't anticipate there being that many more changes that disney will make with you know a couple of days notice one can hope, but who knows? The one thing that we are still pretty sure will not go away at all, although Len and Jim over at Disney Dish thought maybe it'll go away for only Epcot, which might make sense. Maybe we'll talk about that in a unfiltered episode or something, since it's too in the weeds for this episode. But you're going to have to make park reservations, so make sure you definitely have those so you don't show up at the parks and have to make them at that time. Kind of the last thing to worry about after your trip is bounce back offers. When they come back, they're still not quite back yet. But on the day that you check out from your Disney hotel, you can get a bounce back offer and sometimes get 15, 20% off on a future stay. The concept of locking in your future Disney vacation while you are at Disney. All right. I think that covers the general timeline, Leslie, unless you think we missed anything. I think we got what we have now. Let's hope this episode stays current for some time to come. Give us at least two weeks, Disney. Give us please, at least two weeks. Please. All right, Joe. Well, let's close this one out with our traditional Disney do or don't. What do you have for us? All right. So my Disney do is to clean out your My Disney Experience family and friends group before a trip. You are going to be using that family and friends group so much, whether it be to book Genie Plus, whether it be to book individual lightning lanes, all that kind of stuff. So you kind of want to, you know, if you have spare accounts or accounts of friends that you took a trip with once, go ahead and clear all those out of your My Disney Experience account just to make things cleaner. I also think that it's one of those weird IT things that when my Disney experience has like too many friends and families, I've heard that at some point they have to reset your entire account or start you on a new account just because uh, there just gets to be too much detritus in there. So go ahead. It's a good time when you're planning a Disney vacation to clean out your my Disney experience account. And if it's your first time booking a Disney vacation, well, then that's great because you have a clean my Disney experience account and you don't have to worry about this. Great tip, Joe. All right. So that is our Disney planning timeline. If you are planning a Disney vacation, of course, you can always reach out to me. I can help you as your travel agent at no cost to you. It would cost exactly the same as Disney would charge you. Joseph Chung at TravelMation.net. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Please let us know if there are steps or order of things that you do differently from us. We'd love to hear your opinions. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you planning your next Walt Disney World vacation because you're going to go there in 2022. I can feel it. Thanks, Joe. 